Hey, hey, wizards, and welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is Noemi, your host. Today I have on Chad Rubin. He is the founder of Prophecy, a frequent speaker in the world of Amazon. Prior to Prophecy, he founded Team Crucial and co-founded Scubana, as well as The Prosper Show. Chad is also author of the Amazon bestseller Cheaper, Easier Direct, and he is a father and husband who loves coffee and tacos. Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I love it whenever someone is so uh, open about uh, this intro. Okay, how would I? How would you like to be introduced? And you also added that you love coffee and tacos, and that you're also a father and husband. You know what? Those are the things that I think sometimes are the most important things, and no one is mentioning. So I love that. For sure, I completely agree. I mean, uh, being a father and a husband is a big part of my life, and you know, I, I work on integrating my work and my life together. So it's in balance. 100%. So today's topic is going to be dynamic pricing. And this is why we have you on. Uh, you are the master uh, in dynamic pricing, but not only dynamic pricing, dynamic pricing when it comes to private labels. So I myself have a vague understanding of dynamic pricing. Not so much because I am not selling retail arbitrage or, or wholesale, right? But this is a cool concept. And today I would like to just go deeper into what is it? How does it work? And first off, like, how did you, how did you thought that this would be a cool software and topic to bring to the plumbing? <laughs> so, just a couple of things. One is, so the software that I built, Prophecy, is strictly for private label brands on Amazon. So we don't deal with wholesale or retail arbitrage. Um, second, I just... Today, my focus is really about sharing the trends that I've observed, patterns, and every mistake possible, which pretty much was the path to getting me to prophecy. Mm -hmm. So this is not necessarily going to be about prophecy. This is more about pricing and how it's probably one of the best levers to be pulling that no brands today are pulling. It's a major blind spot for many brands today. Why do you think that is? Uh, well... Everyone's so focused on spend and yes. uh, so focused on, on what they're spending. And so when I was, after I sold Subana in, in, uh, in 21, I thought I was just staring at a palm tree and I said, well, would you ever leave $10,000 of spend unoptimized? I'm sure brands do it, but the answer is no, right? Typically, if you have that kind of money on the line, you would never, unop you'd never, you'd always want to optimize it, right? Find the wasted spend, which you're very good at. But nobody is actually optimizing price. Mm. So the question then is like, why, right? And it's, it's actually pretty hard to figure out what the optimal price is. And sellers rarely change price, right? If anything, there's not even a framework that they've built around price. It's more of guesswork. Yep. So with my own econ business, we struggled. I'm like trying to write the ship. I've, I've been, look, I've been doing this for a long time, right? So I've been in e-com for 15 years. My e-com business has been around since 2007 and just margins have been compressed. So what did I do? I cut expenses. I tried to run my ads more effectively. Inflation was eating up tons of my profit. So I was like, okay, well, like the biggest driver to the bottom line is pricing, right? It's, as they say, small levers swing, big doors. It can have the largest impact on your profit in the shortest amount of time. And it's easy to change. It's very hard to test because on Amazon, it's not simply just changing your price and increasing it. There is something in Amazon that I call the knock-on effect. So a price today, a price change today affects your orders tomorrow. 
the flywheel, right? The BSR change that happens. And so trying to actually figure out what the optimal price is, is extremely challenging. Yeah, 100%. Does that make I agree. sense? Yeah, totally. And I also like agree with what you were saying. Most private label sellers will never change the price. Like I am like, I'm raising my hand. Yes, you're talking about me, right? So I did the same thing. I still have almost the same pricing that I had three years ago. Why? Because my competitors are keeping the same pricing. So if they are doing that, maybe they know something and I'm going to copy. And the thing is, I think most of the time they might be doing something wrong, but we are copying them, right? Oh, we are yeah. still copying them and we are still going to do the same stuff. By the way, the tail there, <laughs> that's my cat. So thank you. <laughs> you know what? I locked my yeah. cat out, so. Oh, good for you. Um, our stars <laughs> meowing. Yeah, but sorry for that. All right. No, no, it's all good. So like, look, Amazon's this like moving, living, breathing marketplace and pricing is a living, breathing system. It's not just a number. Yeah. And so that is why it's... I, the question was, why is pricing static? If you look at Uber, Uber has something called Uber surge pricing. They dynamically change price based on supply demand and many other factors in your neighborhood where you're calling a cab. The same thing for Airbnb has something called smart pricing. So this technology is being deployed and pricing dynamically is being deployed in many industries. Just so happens that Amazon brands aren't that sophisticated yet to make those changes. Got it. So yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. How much does, so when I am price, repricing stuff, we're doing it manually. Uh, so far as I know, you are repricing based on AI software. Uh, yeah. How does it work exactly? Oof. Oof. So I'm a, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of AI and that's a big question. And before we get into AI, maybe I can just share with people that if you're doing it, if you want to do it manually today, what, like how to go about it. All right. So like, I'm a big fan of really not just listening to what people are saying, but actually rolling up our sleeves and actually making changes and seeing how those changes impact the business, right? Yeah. And this is something that I did in my own e-com business. Like, especially during inflation, I heard a lot of gurus and Amazon influencers, I call it the Amazon swamp, sharing around pricing. And there's, oh, just raise price. And pricing isn't one size fits all. So you have to calibrate price to the right value, to the right shopper for the right product. And the way that you can start doing that manually is you have a spreadsheet, right? The, the tab at the bottom, you put the ASIN at the bottom and every day you have your current price and you have the future price. You have your net margin, which includes your ladder costs, your Amazon fees, the FBA fees, and you can even have your ad spend per day in the spreadsheet. And then on top of that, you start building a, a spreadsheet around your competitors, your top competitors. If you do a reverse ACE and lookup, finding your competitors and putting their BSR into the spreadsheet. So now you're starting to really house all your pricing information into one spreadsheet, right? Yes. And you start making small changes. And those small changes have an impact on your velocity and on your overall absolute profitability, your contribution profit of the company. Mm -hmm. So once you have a place to centralize it, the next step is to really connect the dots and you start talking to your finance team and your, your product development team. If you have one, uh, you start talking to your advertising agency, or if you're doing it internally, you're starting to essentially connect the dots around pricing and, and, and strengthen that muscle, right? Make it a discipline so that everybody is aligned because again, pricing is the largest driver to profitability. And we're living in a world now where we've moved at growth at all costs to growth, profitable growth at the lowest cost. 
100%. Yeah, I got it. But as you were mentioning, doing this manually still, it takes up a lot of time. So, and it's not so precise. So I think that this is where AI comes in, especially, totally. right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. I've been on AI, like when everybody was focusing in Miami on NFTs and Bitcoin and Ethereum, which I do own, by the way, I was really smitten with AI, right? And I understand that like an algorithm has rendered old paradigms extinct. And if you look at even what happened on Wall Street in 2010, about 10% of all trading volume was on was by algorithms. And now it's over 60% where humans have become just merely observers. So I believe that that's going to happen in the e-commerce world on Amazon because there's too much data to consume. As you said, it's, too, it's very hard. There's mountains of data that you can make mountains of money on. And so with AI, the beautiful thing about AI, true AI, by the way, because there's a lot of noise in the, in the Amazon space, true AI is first of all, making its own if-then statements. So it's like nested if-then statements. It's coming up with on its own based on all the all the signals and the data to optimize for the outcome that you want to achieve. In this case, for prophecy, it's profit, right? We want to maximize profit without sacrificing your BSR. Now, why AI specifically, outside of the fact that it can do what I needed to do, is that it can observe, experiment, and learn and self-improve independently of a human being. And it's faster than us, it's cheaper than us. And in a world where we're growing profitably at the lowest cost possible, you can leverage AI to do our job and make many less mistakes than what we do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I love that you specified also like uh, the way how AI works. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I see, especially the past three, three to four years, everyone throws in AI, you know, and it's like, okay, AI, and it's like, that makes me smart, right? So I like how you described it. It's not not only that, okay, let's focus on AI, but what did AI achieve and why do we want to base our software on AI and what is the outcome that we are expecting? So, and I also love that you are saying that you are looking for being more profitable. So from my understanding, this would be a game of selling less volume while being more profitable, or is that something that you can, like you as the seller can decide? So for us, our main focus is your absolute profit dollars that are generated in the business. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's actually raising the price and then sometimes it's lowering the price. So it depends on what is the most optimal decision that needs to be made for a given ASIN. Okay. So essentially we are aware that there's value leakage. Now raising price, you're aware if you raise price, sometimes it comes with unit velocity that decreases, but you're hoping that the price increase offsets the velocity decrease without an effect on your BSR. Mm -hmm. We can agree on that, right? Yes. Now, likewise, when you're testing a lower price, you need to ensure that the loss of profit per unit is compensated by an increase in velocity. So you lower the price, you increase demand, you increase unit velocity, it offsets the lower price, you produce more profit dollars at the end of the day, which may result in a lower a lower BSR, which is a increase in your competitive positioning on Amazon. So that means better organic placement and even reducing PPC spend. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that sellers can't figure out what is the right, is it is going up the right decision or is going down the right decision? And that's really where AI takes hold. 
their job is to figure out what is the right decision-making process that's going to optimize on the outcome that you've programmed the AI to achieve. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So it's funny that you were also mentioning PPC, but I think also on the advertising side, that's exactly how it works, right? So once that you have more organic sales, you will say, okay, let's hold on on those like first placements, top placement, then just me, the first one, right? So I see a very like, uh, I see a com commonality between these two. Yeah, and I think, and we were talking about this before the show started, that I think there's a lot of people that are focusing on ACOS right now in the industry. Like mm -hmm. ACOS is the end all be all. And I think ACOS, which is what you spend relative to what you make, it's a ratio, is very important, but it's not the whole picture. Yes. So ACOS is what you spend, which many agencies are working on right now, right? It's what you spend. But the other part of the equation is what you make, your revenue. And it's sort of like peanut butter and jelly, if you get that analogy. By combining the two together, you'll be able to actually, we can predict the right price and predict the right spend, and you'll be able to actually have the have more monetization at the end of the day. 100%. Said in a different way, right? If you're a $25 product and you increase price to by 30%, so you increase it to $30 and you increase your A cost from 25% to 30%, you'll actually generate 50% more EBITDA just by making those changes. And the question is like, how do you make those changes? How do you automate it in a way that it consumes all the different variables in the marketplace? I love that this, yeah, totally makes sense. It's interesting how you put it because most of the time, like, sellers you would think no we have to say we have to sell volume so we will keep our placement rather than here it's do it strategically and make more profit so i really like how you put it so chad at what stage of a product should someone consider dynamic pricing keeping in mind that there are like different strategies at different product life stages let's say once once that i'm launching a product i might come in at a lower price and then raise raise raise, raise the price until yeah. my ideal price so in what scenario could dynamic pricing be helpful in this case well so i want to clarify there's lots of repricers out there right there's repricers for the buy box we we're a unique snowflake we focus on private label brands yes and private label brands, if you're in the honeymoon phase of your product, you're not wanting to harvest it, right? If you're in the two-week launch phase, you're not wanting to harvest profit. You're just wanting to maximize your rank. So we're working with sellers typically above a million dollars all the way up to aggregators. And uh, they're private label. They're doing, they want to harvest profit. They want to drive more dollars to the bottom line without hurting their positioning on Amazon. Got it. All right, let's say in this scenario, someone just listened to this episode, they are just barely starting with their one product and it's they barely make any money. So how could they strategize somehow what you are already doing, but doing it manually? Let's put it Yeah, so I, if you are just launching a product, you're, so the first thing is aligning your intention. Okay. And I do that even before podcasts typically, which is like, hey, what's the most value to the users, right? What, what's my intention for this? What's your intention? What's the most helpful to the users? So if you're launching a product you have, and you have, or you have many products, right? Figuring out your intention of the product is very important. Do I want to make more money on this product? Profit to cover more expenses, to redeploy those dollars internally uh, to new products, perhaps new product launches, or do I want to just 
work on growing a product and, and launching. And if you're launching, then your, your primary focus is your BSR. Mm-hmm. So the same spreadsheet I was talking about where you're systemizing everything and centralizing it in one spot, that one spreadsheet, you're going to just simply focus on all the, a lot of the variables. So like your reviews, the recency reviews, the quality reviews, you're going to pull in all your competitors, but instead of tracking profit, you're going to be tracking BSR and your likely your unit velocity. Mm-hmm. And then add sprinkle in there a little conversion rate action too, right? But these are the, these are the data points you're going to be managing. Got it. So then based on that, you would change the pricing either higher, either lower, right? Yeah. Like see, seeing is believing right in real time. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, even for these past years, it's like those who say don't know and those who know don't say. So the challenge is cutting through a lot of the noise in our space and just actually making the changes yourself and seeing the impact on your business. 100%. By the way, I love that you mentioned having like an intention for whatever is happening. That I think that's a great, great way how to do stuff. So um, totally. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to implement that even more mindfully, right? So when getting back to repricing and repricing, especially for private label, um, are there any common misconceptions that you see right now people making who are just like, uh, maybe they are selling the million and it's like, uh, I'm not sure if, if this is for me or not. Misconceptions around pricing or misconceptions around about using pricing? About dynamic pricing, using it, this strategy, like... I'm not sure if I want to use it or I'm not sure that the value is there. What would you okay. like? So firstly, uh, for us, our focus is delivering profit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of agencies whose focus is like, I want to target a cost. Like for us, our focus is the reason why people are in business is to help them make more money. Mm-hmm. And we essentially have monthly business reviews with clients to make sure that we are delivering on our promise. Two, a seller could be like, hmm, well, I've never changed price before. I'm a little concerned, right? There's some fear maybe in the market. And I don't know how Amazon's going to react. Well, one is we have this hyper learning phase where we learn, we make small little changes to see how Amazon reacts and how your competition reacts, both organically and PPC. Mm-hmm. And third is we also have built in suppression monitoring into the platform. And what does that mean? It means that if Amazon decides to say, hey, I don't like your price changes, even though maybe you don't sell off Amazon, but they just don't like the fact that you're having price changes and there's some suppression that happens on the listing, we'll reset it back to the original price immediately. So those are some things I think that we we work on when we bring on a, a specific client. Got it. That's, that's great. That's clever. Is there a maximum limit of how many products can you uh, apply this to? Nope. Nope. So we're flat fee. Uh, we don't take a percentage of revenue or profit. Our goal is simply to help you make more money on what you're selling. Kind of shake what your mama gave you. Love it. Love it. Chad, is there yeah. anything that I should have asked that I haven't so far? Mm. Um, that's a good question. Nothing yet. No. All right. Then I think we did it. It was short it was sweet it was everything what you our listeners need to know about how to use dynamic pricing when it comes to private label Uh, to be respectful of your time before we're wrapping up a few questions i love to ask my guests the first one is if you would have 50 dollars investment 
right now? What would you invest it in that it comes to dynamic pricing? $50 to invest in dynamic pricing or just $50? Yes. To invest like in something related to learning about dynamic pricing or how it works or mm -hmm. something. I would probably take that $50 and go, <laughs> you're probably not going to like my answer, but I would probably take the $50 and buy a resort, go on resortpass.com and I'd buy a chair on the beach and listen and study to like podcasts and listen to resources and read up, read a few books on algorithms and pricing and how pricing can help you make more money. Love it. Love it. Love it. So you kept, you kept it under $50 and it's super like helpful as well. So I love it. So which are the top three favorite books that you are currently listening to or have been listening to and why? It's, uh, top three books. Um, I just read The CEO Within. I think it's a really tactical book uh, on strategies of how to be a better CEO. Like he gives you the blueprint and like softwares to use and just exactly the questions he talks to his employees about during performance reviews. That was a recent book that I really liked. Mm -hmm. um, I recently read The Art of Gathering. Okay. I think her name is Priya, Priya Parker. And her focus is around elevating people and having really active meetings that facilitate dialogue to help you activate your potential. So really That's cool good. book. Uh, and the third one, I mean, look, I really liked Shoe Dog. That's, I read it a while ago or Atomic Habits. Like those are sort of classics in my eyes. Atomic Habits is around setting habits, not goals to elevate uh, where you're taking your life. And mm -hmm. then Shoe Dog is just a great book about the founder of Nike. Uh, it was just a page turner for me, a story, and was just a, a, a beautiful story. Love it. You know that most of our guests are having that one, Shoe Dog and Richard Portet, as they are like first go-to. So mm. <laughs> I love it. That's interesting. That's interesting to see. And the last question is, how can people get a hold of you, say hello, find out more about what you do and about Prophecy? Yeah, you can email me. My personal email is chat at prophecy.com and that's spelled P-R-O-F-A-S-E-E.com. Now, prophecy, the word is like very biblical, right? It's predicting with a level of certainty something's going to happen. And the way that I've spelled it, P-R-O-F-A-S-E-E, is like prophet you could see. Love so ch chat at prophecy.com. I'm also posting on LinkedIn often uh, some nuggets that I believe are valuable along with uh, Twitter. 100% and I also follow up on your LinkedIn post. They are 100% valuable and I love how you're calling out everyone who's like BSing. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> I hope that also our listeners are going to enjoy that. And we did it. Thank you so, so much for being on the show and thank you so much for helping our listeners understand better how to use dynamic pricing if they have not considered it to consider it. And yeah, thank you so much for the knowledge that you shared today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you. And also to our listeners, be good, much love. See you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.